Hello and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my co-host, starting with yous, the unbelievably unique and uber-talented Mary Abijay. Hey, Chris DeSantis, those were good yous. I was yeah. I was wondering what you would say. Um, all right, everybody, I am, what am I, again, I'm... Unbelievably unique and uber-talented. Okay, I am the uber-talented Mary Abijay. I'm very talented <laughs> at calling my Ubers. Um, <laughs> and let me introduce my co-host, the, Urba the Urbane the unshakable, and the utterly fabulous Chris DeSantis. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. I like those too. I know. Nicely done. Thank you. Well, I like the word urbane. Urbane, yeah. I, well, I like the, the use are hard, and I think we did a nice job of coming well, up Well, because otherwise you could be like the unboring, the unlike, <laughs> the undoll, the unstupid. The unregistered alien. The unregistered alien. <laughs> the un, un, un. Hey, Chris, I have a surprise for you. What is that? Uh, today's episode is our 100th episode. No way. No way. Really? Yeah. Oh you my gosh. So it's almost, it's, it's gotta be about, then about two years. Did, yeah. did we take a break yeah. ever? No. Did we, we ever didn't. take a break? I think we might have to, but we didn't, we haven't yet. 100, wow. 100 episodes. 100. You know, if we were a TV show, there'd be cake, there'd be a party, there'd be champagne. Yeah. I'm hoping Jack will put a little like, you know, like, Firecracker yeah, Jack, popping say, or something in do here. Do some pop stuff, Jack. But but I'll, or we'd have like some of our some of our listeners call in and say how fabulous we are. But you know we've done nothing. <laughs> That's true. That's you true. didn't even remember. You didn't. I didn't even, even know exactly. Was our hundred? Oh my god, hundred episodes. I was talking to my husband about it for we were taping. He's like, Mary, nobody cares. <laughs> Well, I, I'm sure there's somebody out He's there. He's like, as a listener, I wouldn't care. He's like, you can mention it, but no one cares. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think somebody out there, well, somebody I, cares. Chris, I care. It's been 100 wonderful episodes with you. Yes, you've been great. This is so nice. I'm going to, uh, no, well, I'd you've been I'd great. The no, you've been no, great. No, you've been great. No, you've been great. <laughs> All right. So, you We're know, do you remember Go what ahead. our very first episode was? Oh, the uh, my, my my boss is cheating on my me. My boss is cheating on me. <laughs> right. So that was about that like romance with the boss. Or I have to go back and maybe maybe we will maybe we will rerun that episode for everybody. Uh, so I thought for a hundredth episode we would talk about bosses again. Only this time from the from uh, more of the. Um, from a the boss's perspective, but mm -hmm. people who have problems with their bosses. So we're going to do a show called A Manager's Dilemma. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm aware of this. And I know that this is one of your areas of specialty because nobody knows about managing more than Mary because Mary did write the book on managing up. That's right. So these are the areas of her specialty. So I thought it's only fair, it's only fair that uh, Mary gets a shot of Mary versus the machine. <laughs> Did you take the answers and run them through, through Jet? Yes, oh my I God. did. Yes, I did. And so what I did is I took, I looked at these questions. I framed it as a question for uh, uh, a what is it? AI Chat GBT uh, three, not the four, three. And so I have answers to each of these questions as described by the machine. So let's see how Mary does. I think when I did it with this, uh, did I, I had two, I beat the machine twice and I tied once. Was that it? 
I think I can't remember. Was that what you I told think me? I think it was yes. I think it was a tie. Yeah, I think he beat it twice, and there was a tie once. Uh, okay. So we'll have to have Chris, who's on this, uh, filling in for Jack today. Chris, you'll have to keep score on this one. And yeah, yeah. On the chat you, box. Now the only challenge I'll have with hearing your answers with this because is that it, it gives me bullet points and numbers. It even numbers them. So I'll have to sort of go through these as you speak to see if we if we're coming close to what that was said. But are you going to answer the questions too, or is this just me? Uh, no, I think, uh, well, uh, if I have anything to add beyond the machine, okay. uh, I will add something to it. But I'm going to first compare your answers to that. And if I have something to throw in, I will. All right, great. All right, so should we read the first question? Yeah, let's do this. All this right. is fun. This All is right, fun. everybody, here we go. Oh, by the way, do we? does everyone understand who's listening, what we're talking about here, the open AI chat GBT? Honey, I think everyone knows that chat, what chat GPT is by now. It's the most downloaded uh, uh, sort of new, I guess, new software. Or not, I don't know if it's software or not. You don't download it. You just go online. You just you go online, and do, meaning that everyone is in doing it. Some, the fastest growth of any kind of particular technology ever. And as I said in a previous episode, Chris, it will put us out of business. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. It's just it is, so interesting. Chat GPT is really smart. I was working on a speech I have to give, and I said, well, let me see if chat has any ideas. And they were like... They literally like spit out exactly what I was kind of thinking. I was like, really? holy shit, I'm, no, I'm not creative anymore because I'm just like a computer. Well, is there any, uh, was there any hallucinating in the uh, information? No. <laughs> okay, because hallucinating is when it does the stories of famous people more than people like myself, uh, you will write it and they will make, it sometimes makes things up. I love that. Well, yeah, I, think I make strange. things up all the time, so maybe I yeah, am yeah, as smart yeah, as a computer. All right, <laughs> okay, our you ready? first question is from a manager's dilemma in Delaware. Dear Cubicle Confidential, I work in the tech field and manage a department of about 20 people. We hired too many people during the pandemic, and now, like many companies, we need to do layoffs. I've been told that I must reduce my staff by 20% which means I need to axe between four to six people, depending on their salaries. I've never had to do this before. How do I decide who goes and who stays? Everyone on my team is really strong, and honestly, there aren't any weak links. I'm also angry that the powers that be are pushing this decision down on me because I don't want to be the bad guy. The weight and the guilt are killing me. Any advice? Signed, A Manager's Dilemma in Delaware. All right. Before you answer this, let me just okay. say uh, I, I got I, I pressed I, I keyed this in with a question similar to this situation about handling that, and uh, when they the, it spewed out the answers, there were two points that I would have said naturally. So, and I won't say what they are because we'll come back around to that. But there were some other things I thought were also added to this. So, okay. So let's go into your answer. What do you think happened? Well, what do you? What would you do? First, what would you do? What would I do? So first, as a human, I say. Oof. Like this is probably the worst part about being a manager, right? This is why when people get promoted to being a manager, I always say congratulations and condolences because it, this is really, this is the hard part, you know? And of course I get you don't want to be a bad guy. Of course you're going to feel guilty. Of course, good for you for caring about the well-being of your employees. I totally get how hard that is. Uh, but you know what? I'm also guessing that you might've been more pissed off at the powers that be if they had stepped in and decimated your team without your input. So on the one hand, I think that, you know, yeah, this kind of sucks for you, but 
I think probably would might suck more if you didn't have any say in the process. So maybe that's a little piece of appreciation for that. Now you don't say in your in your in your question whether or not you are actually doing the firing or whether you are handing the names up to someone else who's going to do the firing. In other words, are you mm-hmm. actually sitting down with these people and saying sayonara or are you just making the decision that HR is going to handle it in their own way? So mm-hmm. I'm going to assume I'm going to assume it's the latter. I'm going to assume this is about you making the decision and then HR is going to be the ones that sit down with them, go over their severance, the packages and all that. Because that's a whole nother piece of cake, which HR should do for you. Even if they don't do the actual firing, they're the ones that have to really make sure that uh, people understand, you know, their vacation time, any kind of severance or any kind of um, transitionary support you're going to have. Uh, So number one, Make sure you understand what it is, the criteria basically. Make sure you understand what the company is trying to accomplish through these layoffs. And is there specific criteria that they have or they could advise you on? Is it simply a numbers game? Uh, does it simply have to cut your budget? Like find out what it is. So really think about that and go get some advice from your boss or maybe you talk to other peers around how they're doing it. Uh, so making sure that you are kind of uh, following any sort of policy or criteria there are. Um, When you look at, I get that there's no weak links, but you also do have to figure out like who really do you need the most on your team? Um, so really think about like, what is it that you guys are really important uh, for, whether it's projects or whatever, what's really going on uh, with your team right now, what's coming up in the future, and really think about who is going to help you succeed the most. This is when you have to be a little bit not cold, but you do have to think about if you're going to have a smaller team, who are the players that are going to keep your team tiny but mighty? Because uh, it's very tempting to be first in, last out, or whatever that is. But really take, take into account what do you really need? What skills and assets do you really need? If possible, I want you to be as open as possible with your team, which means like, what can you share? Really be honest about the criteria that's being used. Um, Really make those who are staying feel safe about their job. Um, Be as kind and compassionate as you can with those. Once the deeds are done, uh, see if you can't offer those employees that were laid off, any sort of personal support, whether it's like introductions, whether it's letters of recommendations, uh, make sure you offer support to those who are staying, uh, things like that. And then finally, I would consider like, if it's just a money thing, are there other things that you can do? Like, remember that story, Chris, around the guy who owned, I don't know, it was a company in Michigan during the pandemic where they had to cut salaries or payroll by like 40%. So all the employees got together and agreed to take a a pay cut so that Mm -hmm. no one could get laid off. Um, So maybe there's something else you could be creative. Why? If it's just a number thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I would push back against that. Uh, And so I think that's it. Just be kind, be compassionate. Don't drag it out any longer. This is a tough thing to do, but unfortunately it's your job to do it. Well, I, I, I'm going to think it was very good, although the back end, I, I will get to that. But okay. let me just say, the, the machine up front said, this is stressful and you need to be empathetic. Mary said that right away. Bam, this uh, sucks. Bam. Sucks to be you, I said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the machine did not say this. Uh, you have a, a say, uh, you have a say, meaning yeah. that you're, you're, this isn't being foisted upon you. So the Mary beat the machine here. What? Yes. Now, 
The first thing that Mary said, though, uh, also she said about HR is in charge of this, so she was getting clarification where the machine did not make that distinction. Mary did say right at the very beginning, point number one, plan ahead and consider the criteria. Mary said that right up Bam. front. What the machine did not and missed, uh, which I think is a critical point, Mary got this. She said you need to prioritize who you really need. You really need. The machine did not say that. The second point Mary made was the identical to the point made by the machine. Be transparent about this. Be transparent and clear with the criteria. The third point that Mary said that the machine also said at exactly offer support and packages if necessary. You've said that as well. Here's where the machines went beyond you um, is the aftermath. Ooh. It talked about what do you, how do we talk to the remaining staff? I talked about that. I said, I show compassion and support for those who are left behind. Oh, you did? Okay, that's point four. And then I, I would tie that to monitor morale. That was their point five. So ah, that's, I didn't, yeah. Yeah, and then the last point the machine made is focus on the future. What are we going to do going forward? But I think in your defense, nobody talks the future when they're going through hell in the moment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it would have been irrelevant to say, hey, come on, people. Let's not think about this moment. Let's think about uh, five years from What? What? And you let's be saying? clear. The machine didn't say it sucks to be you. No. No, it did not. I think I have clear hands down. I give this to Mary in this round. <laughs> oh, my God. You're too kind. I, no, no. I, thought, I think I give it to Mary because I do. I, I get the point about focusing on the future, but it's that sounds empty if I were to deliver that in the moment of of. You know what I'm saying? Our studio producer, lost. Chris Marlo, just said Mary killed it. She did. Giddy she up. did kill it. Of course, exactly. he is my husband. No, that so was really <laughs> good. Focus on the future. I got your future right here. I got here. your you future right here. And is there future. anything that you would have added? No, I thought this was... Uh, I liked your list because it covered all the things. I, I What I, I wish I had thought of saying was this, prioritize what you need here. I think that was the way to go. It's yeah. not what we're losing, but what we what we do. What, first, think yeah. about what we want to keep. Yeah, I think that's really critical. And then that's sort of I like the criteria. Of course, might have come to that, but I thought that was a, a brilliant point. No, nope, awesome. I wouldn't add anything to this. All right, round one, me. Are we round, ready for round, round two? Machine zero. All right, here is the question. Question reader, come on and read us the question. Dear Mary and Chris, I am a mid-level director in a large national nonprofit. I'm fairly new to the organization. I just hit my first year mark, and I recently became aware of my troubling situation that I need some advice on. Here's the situation. One of my peers appeared to be a toxic leader. My team and his team work very closely together, and so I have witnessed the horrible ways he treats his employees. Think screaming, shouting, bullying, demeaning, etc. On top of that, some of his employees have reached out to me for help. My employees are also disturbed by his behavior as they work closely with his team. More than once, I have found one of his employees crying in the bathroom. What should I do? This other director is really, really tight with the president, think golfing buddies, and is also really tight with some of our major funders. I'm afraid if I say something, it will impede my ability to succeed. But I also know that turning a blind eye is wrong. Help! Signed, not blind to the bullying in Boulder. Wow. Okay. I, I've got the question version of this that, that I've set up with the 
My coworker is a jerk. He's close to the boss. How do we protect my employees from them? That's sort of my version of that. What do you think to do, Mary? Oh, man. This... Uh, I think well, you this, know toxicity. This is bad. So... I think you have to do something. I really do. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the fact that you are newer in the organization is going to make it a little bit harder. But something needs to be done. Uh, um, allowing toxic bullying behavior in the workplace is never right. So you might lose your job for this. Uh, and I think you need to be okay with that. Because do you want to work for a place that's going to allow this to happen, that, mm-hmm. to, that allows uh, employees mm-hmm. to be treated like this? So first of all, you're going to have to uh, make sure that you are in some way taking note, documenting, keeping track of this behavior. Uh you have seen it yourself, and that's the first thing, your first eyewitness. So start making some notes. As their team or your team also tells you about it, like keep making, you know, make some notes, like get, you want, because when you do address this, you're going to have to have specific examples. Um, mm-hmm. And so be open to that. Do what you can to support the members, like your team. Your team is going to be fine because they have you, but be a good support system for the other person's team. Don't say like, I'm going to save you, but just do what you can to uh, be emotionally supportive of them while you are working in the background to make this uh, uh, be better. Uh, For your team, you could say to your team, I'm going to do what I can, but there's no promises. Uh, So that's number one. You're going to have to really think about uh, what your options are in terms of who you can talk to. Um, I would first talk to other peers that may have seen this behavior um, and uh, or have worked there longer. What I'm trying to get at is you have to know how you have to know how functional your HR department is. You have to know if they are capable of actually doing anything about this or mm-hmm. if they are just toadies to the senior directors. If they do not have a, um, if they do not have a, a good uh, reputation for handling this stuff, that's going to be kind of challenging. Okay, so that's one thing. Before you do anything, you got to find out what they're like. Number three, and there's probably this isn't probably very coordinated. You could say something directly to this person. If you see this behavior happen, you could do one of two things. You could interview in the moment and say, "Hey, hey, hey." I'm sorry, that's an unacceptable way to talk to our employees, especially if they're your employees he's talking to. And if they are uh, his employees, you can still intervene and be like, oh, I'm sorry, let me stop here. Chris, did you really mean to speak to her like that? Because that was a little tough. Like you can call his shit out in the moment. You could also go and talk to him and be like, listen, Chris, I'm not sure you know this, but the way that you are interacting with your employees is a problem. They have blah, 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 blah. So you can address him directly. You could even say to him, if you don't, if you don't, if, if you don't like change your ways, I'm going to have to say something to somebody. That's kind of a threat. Um, but you could have a conversation with him. He may not even realize he's being a toxic jerk. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, I would like to see you. I know I'm kind of all over the place. I'm nervous about going against the computer. I would like to see you speak up for your employees because if you encourage them to go to HR, they may just get squashed. So I think you are in a leadership position. I'd like to see you take leadership on that. And I'm all over the place, but that's what I'm going to come down on. Let me uh, let me say you did it. You, did I? You, you, you did everything on this list. Everything on this list. Uh, I will say, and just framing a little differently, the the computer said, uh, 
create a safe space for the employees to report the actions, meaning you said you called it being supportive of yeah. these other employees, right? Right. Well, that's one thing. You said document the incidences and encourage employees to do so. That's what the computer said. You said that same thing. You also said call them out, which the computer says set clear boundaries and make it, uh, that make it clear to this difficult coworker that their behavior is unacceptable. So I, they, he, this, the machine says clear boundaries. You said call them out on that. You also said, uh, again, but you qualified it, which is, I think, a point above HR, involve HR. You had first said first find out the caliber oh, of HR. Oh, you have to. You have and to. And then you involve HR, right? Uh, and a, another thing you had said earlier, too, but the, he called it building, or the machine, I don't know why I call it, he, uh, building alliances and identify allies in this. And you said that, too, talk to other people that yeah. have had this experience. Interestingly enough, the last point the machine made was the last point you made. No. And that was, remember, protecting your employees is your top priority as a manager. So you said the only thing that you said that the machine did not say is if this is toxic to the degree it could be, get out. And the machine never in any way suggested that, that you leave. Yeah. Uh, that, that, but that's, so you, again, who do you think wins this round? Who do you think wins this round? <laughs> Chris Marla just uh, uh, chatted us. Mary is a machine. That's what's sad. I'm a she machine. She is the machine. <laughs> I don't think I'm... I wonder if this is actually Mary. I wonder if this is one of those AI images of Mary. Oh my God. Maybe it's not me. even me, Chris. You don't know that. Like you're... <laughs> it could be an AI image. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know if I'm even talking to you. You know, I will say this. You know, I do think... Um, I, I think... And I think we had this conversation once with Jack Edinger. Um, I think peers have some... A lot of... Is responsibility the right word? I think it is. I think if we're all in this together, I think peers have some responsibility to hold other peers accountable for creating an engaging and healthy workplace. And I think yeah. if, if one of your peer leaders is being a jerk, I think you need to say something. I really do. This is... The I think that's right, but what happens is we don't look yeah. at doctors. Doctors who are yeah. in, in a in a in a hospital who are doing you know they have there are doctors that are just horrible. And yet they still practice. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Because no other doctor is yeah. going to do it. Look at police enforcement. There are police are right. generally good, but there are super bad apples. And then they close ranks around the one. You You're see right. what I'm saying? So what happens is uh, anyone and look at whistleblowers. Anyone who becomes a whistleblower all of a sudden becomes a you know a, a person persona non grata yep. simply because they have recognized. So uh, there is a natural human tendency to become the, the tr you know, a group and then you become the out group, even though somebody in the group, as you said, is toxic. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it, I don't know. The human nature of this is we just don't want to be that one. Yeah. We, we don't, don't. want to be that one. And you know, I, I have a, I have a, um, and it's not an urban myth because I actually had this conversation with somebody, but it's a ray of hope. So I had a client and uh, it was a major construction company, national, international construction company. And we were doing some project with them and we were just chit chatting. My book had just come out and one of the vice presidents said, I actually have a story for you. So before he was vice president, when he was just like a senior director, one of their other senior directors was a complete asshole, a really toxic boss. And mm -hmm. so they were peers. And this, my client said, so I took it upon myself because we have a great culture here and this guy was just ruining it. So he went and talked to that guy, mm -hmm. wasn't his boss. And the guy didn't realize that he was being a jerk. Like I find that hard to believe but he's like he had no idea he thought he was being a tough strong boss and when we right. and i told him how much his team hates him and how everybody hates him he actually changed his ways 
I think that's more the exception than the Yeah, I think rule. it is too. It's an almost an urban yeah. myth, but it did it does give me a ray of hope. <laughs> well, there's also I, I can't remember what it's called, and somebody should write in and tell me. Uh, but I, I thought it's something to the effect of bystander syndrome. Yes, that's very. That's exactly right. Is that what it's called? And what happens here is when we see a number, when we see something horrible happening, and there are a number of people that are observing it, everyone who observes it thinks somebody else yeah. is going to take care of that's it. That's right. And so nobody takes care of it. Yeah. And so this could be the case as well. We're all seeing the same thing happen. Oh, somebody will handle that. Could, I don't and you also said, the question said, he's really tight with the major funders. So yeah. the powers that be may be willing to keep him because he is tight with the funders. And that's, oh, yeah. that's Money what talks. ruins organizational culture. Yeah. When we let the oh, yeah, brilliant yeah. jerks ruin oh, our yeah. culture. Um, so... This is where you have, uh, and, and a lot of these firms that I've, uh, uh, there's a rainmaker that everyone yep. thinks is horrible, but he's, he or she is the rainmaker. Yeah. So in that sense, they, they, that allows them to be this. And what organizations don't realize is that they are actually losing money by keeping those people because yeah. when you have toxic workplaces, uh, productivity goes down, morale goes down, absenteeism goes up, uh, and retention goes way down. So they think they're, they'd lose money by getting rid of them, but they'd actually make more money by getting rid of them because everybody else would come up to the plate. Well, I think that's to your point is, look, if, if this is the rainmaker, then you won't get other rainmakers because nobody else wants to be here because that right. guy, they tolerate this thing. That's right. So, Did the machine yeah. say that? I don't no, think no. so. No, no, you outdid the machine. You're two for two right now. All right. You want to go for three for three? Let's do it. All right. I am ready, chat GPT. Dear Cubicle, how do you deal with people who are resistant to trying anything new? I manage a local chapter for a national association, and I am facing a wall of resistance from committee members. Every time my staff or I suggest a new strategy, a program, or an event, the members resist. They say things like, that will never work, or we tried that 10 years ago and it didn't work. Our chapter is underperforming, but we can't seem to break through to our members. And of course, because we are an association, I can't fire the community members. Any advice? Signed, negating the naysayers in Nebraska. All right. Now, the, the framing of the question that I gave to the machine was dealing with people who are resistant to change. Ah, so you didn't like, okay, so, okay, so I think- I tried to get it in a way that was general that just changed. So so I'm just thinking, keep in mind that the, the framing of this is ties to- Well, I'm going to answer yeah. the question asked- and not oh, no, what no, you asked right. no, no. chat gpt well no i know so i hope i hope you get this right then so first <laughs> first of all condolences like can you imagine anything worse than running a volunteer because uh, these are uh, volunteers right so right. if it's an association and you have to do everything by committees you have to yeah. manage volunteers and yeah. this can be really really hard because a lot of these people are not necessarily going to be like if they're not open to change you're going to have you're going to be rowing upstream so the mm -hmm. first thing i would say is this when people are negative naysayers about new ideas or when they say something like um we did it in the past and it didn't work you know the thing you have to realize is that was then this is now things are different mm -hmm. but you you can't necessarily say that. So instead, what you want to say is something like, well, tell me about what happened in the past that didn't work. Uh, what would have had, what what could have made it work? Uh, mm -hmm. How are things the same or different now? So get them to compare apples to apples and not apples to oranges. Mm -hmm. um, show them how... <clears throat> 
show them how this idea is working for other people currently or other organizations. So don't let them just say, we tried that. You say, well, you know, I get you tried it then, but here's what's different about now. And look who's using this idea successfully there. So showing them that. The other thing I would say about negating the naysayers is to then to turn it back and say, all right, so if you don't like this idea, what ideas do you have that we could do? Um, so framing the problems and then brainstorming them together. Um, start small. Like also, I think we say this all the time, Chris, like look for the mm -hmm. low hanging fruit. Like if you're proposing really big changes, bring them down a notch, Pro uh, um, propose smaller changes, uh, uh, smaller things that you can show success with that they can feel successful. I also think divide and conquer. Get a couple of more of your like-minded uh, uh, chapter members and get them, like socialize some ideas with them, get them in on the ground floor. And so that way, when you go into a meeting with all the committee, you have like some support around it. It's not only your ideas, it's their ideas as well. Uh, so you just are going to have to work this system, work the people, build relationships, start small, provide some evidence uh, and really, you know, maybe you, you create a smaller subcommittee that's going to do some real changes. If your chapter is really struggling, and the thing is, most of these positions are only a year or two years, you don't have a lot of time to make changes. Uh, so really get your committee focused on a goal. What do we want to create? and then back them up into some strategies. So those are my ideas and good luck with it. Volunteer leadership is so difficult and challenging, but if you keep your calm, you keep your eyes on the prize, you build the right relationships, you build small successes first, I think you have a chance of winning. Well, I think you're, you, you came very close this time, very close to everything on the list. Um, let me just say, uh, first of all, you, you, I thought the, your points about the, the machine called it, understand their resistance. That's what yeah. you said. Listen to them. What are they feeling here? What's going on? What have they tried? And all that. Another one that you said is communicate the, uh, that you called it, show how it will work. Basically, the the machine said, "Communicate the benefits." Yeah, you Again. gotta show the you gotta show evidence. You gotta show it's showing it's working here, it's working there. Exactly. Um, Another one you said, I thought this was great. It's right there. Your framing was a that you called it brainstorming. The you called the machine said, "Involve employees in the change process. Give tell them what's going on with this, how what, what we want to do." I think your subcommittee was a really good idea. The machine didn't have that, but it's it's sort of tied to involving them in the change process, right? Uh, another thing that you addressed or alluded to is addressing their concerns and objections to what's going on, which I think is part of the listening process. Um, one of the things you did say, the machine didn't say, which I thought I liked a lot, small changes. I, I think one, uh, one um, writer calls this shrink the change. Yeah. That means make baby steps. Yeah. So I thought you outdid the machine on that one. Uh, the uh, the thing you did not say, what, what did you, you, which is interesting, I didn't hear it. But maybe you said it, it, which I thought you would have said, was provide the training and support to do the job, no, the new process. I didn't say that because this is a volunteer association, so it's more. So what happens here is is. Uh, for, volu for uh, volunteer committees like this, uh, the members decide what happens, but the staff actually executes it. So, ah, the, okay. so they wouldn't need any training. Okay, so then I would say again, again, Mary beat the machine. Woohoo! I am yes, and you know it's really kind of well. That's good because at our hundredth episode, you could just get rid of me and just have 
chat GPT. Put a wig, no, no, put no, a no, wig no. on her and bring her along. No, no, you won the, against the machine. I so know. If I hadn't, I'm saying you. if I had lost against the machine, oh, yeah. this could have been yeah. the death knell for Mary Abijay as co-host. Yeah, it would have been uh, Chris DeSantis and Rosie the robot. <laughs> 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 Mr. Jetson, Mr. Jetson. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love that show. Well, Chris DeSantis... It's been a wonderful hundred episodes with you. Yes. Thank you, my friend, for doing this. And you know what's funny is we started during the pandemic and now the pandemic is quote unquote over. So I just think it's really funny. So hopefully we're not over and hopefully no. our listeners aren't over us. So <laughs> a big thanks to those of you who have listened to either one or all 100 episodes. Uh, thank you to our amazing executive producer, Mr. Jack Enninger, and the 100 episodes you've, you've produced. Uh, if you have a workplace problem, a cubicle dilemma, you know where to find us, people. Uh, you could tweet us at cubicleconfide1. You could email us to info at cubicleconfidential. You could send us a happy 100th anniversary episode, uh, cake, liquor, or whatever. Uh, find us on LinkedIn, Chris DeSantis, Mary Abigail, people. We're everywhere. Uh, and until we see you next time, be kind, work hard, be smarter than that machine. And if you can Call us. All right. See you next week. So that was really scary going up against the machine. Yeah. Hey, hey, Chris, how do you think it went? I'm very proud of you, honey, for kicking that machine's ass. Why, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> if that ain't love, what is? What is?